This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Week 16 edition of NFL Friday here at WFUV Sports. I'm your host, Charlie Misano, alongside Andrew Prasadis, Jackson Heil, Jimmy Sullivan, with our fantasy hits, he he has a big job to do today, considering me and him are meeting in the fantasy <laughs> final. Well, uh, you you know you've never been guilty of talking a good game, and you know, yeah. All right, I'm not I'm not, <laughs> an, I'm not answering that because I did keep lo- talking. Keep last talking. year, I did lose in the semis after being undefeated, thirteen zero in the entire regular season. After a lot of chirping too, yes, a, lot, a of chirping. lot of chirping. <laughs> but I did come back this year. Didn't chirp as much. I ended up. Oh, there's still some. I was the though. fifth seed out of the six teams. I ended up upsetting the th- the. I, I think I upset the four seed in the playoffs. Then I ended up upsetting the number two seed, John Furlong. Hope he listens. No, to this Furlong episode. was the one. So I did. So yeah. I, I was even better then. I was even. Are you, what are you? The two? I was the three. I lost to Evan. Evan dropped two hundred points on me last week because of course he did. He was the two. He still is the two. Oh, I'm I'm thinking of two different leagues yeah. here, but still. Regardless, week sixteen edition of NFL Friday. We'll talk more fantasy later with Jimmy. But overall, I know we usually start this show by talking about the Thursday night game recaps, but there is no Thursday night game this week. A lot of good games to look forward to on Saturday, though, as it's an NFL Network triple header. We got the Texans and Buccaneers at 1 o'clock. Big AFC East matchup between the Patriots and Bills. And then at 8-15, rounds out with the 49ers and the Rams. Um, And overall, just looking at the playoff picture here, in the AFC, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, Hold on to that number one seed in the AFC. If they win this week against Cleveland, they clinch the number one seed in the AFC. The Patriots are the two. Um, then we have the Chiefs and the and the Texans at the three and four. And then the two wildcard teams are the Bills and Steelers with the Titans right there behind them. The Steelers with eight, eight and six records. And then shifting over to the NFC, wild, wild NFC considering that the Seahawks and 49ers both have 11 wins and three losses, but because the Seahawks beat the 49ers earlier this year, they hold on to that number one seed. The Packers holding on to the two seed, and then the Saints and Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys are just lucky to be there at the four seed, and then the two wildcard teams, as of right now, are the 49ers and the Vikings. A lot to shake down here in Week 16 of the NFL. Saturday's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very, I'm very excited for Saturday, personally. I mean, we get to watch Jameis and Deshaun Watson go at it, and I'm a big Jameis guy, so I'm excited to see him. And then Pat's Bills, essentially, maybe for the division title. Like, that. that's what it could come down to. I mean, even if the Pats lose, I think they would still have the tiebreaker over Buffalo at this point, so they would have to lose their last two games. But first, I guess, not first real test for Josh Allen, but probably the biggest game of his career so far in a tune-up for the postseason after they clinched last week, so that should be fun. And then... Like you said, that battle for the NFC West is coming down to the wire. We're going to get 49ers, Seahawks in Week 17. So that's going to be pretty wild. We get 49ers, Rams on Saturday night. So a lot to shake out, obviously. And first time we this year that we're, we can pick every game. So I'm excited for that, too. Yeah, Houston-Tampa Bay, I got to say, first of 50 wins that game. That'll be on red zone all afternoon. 
And shout out to Nick DeLuca, his Buffalo Bills. I mean, it's good to see that the AFC East, like there's some sort of competition going there. Even if the Bills don't end up winning the division, should they win this week and then the Patriots end up winning their last game and just taking the division off the tiebreaker, it's at least good to see because we thought the Jets were going to be there hanging around competing. But good to see a team in the AFC East actually stepping up and giving the Patriots something. And of course, the Rams are on the outside looking in. And after what happened against Atlanta last week. And I'm going to say this. I should have been undefeated in my picks last week, but it was a choke job from the Raiders and from the Niners that stopped me from going undefeated and ultimately just shutting down this podcast for good because I'm pretty sure had I went undefeated, this podcast would be no more, correct? It would it would be over, right? No, it would not be over. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, with those Saturday games, uh, like Jackson said, um, I know the Patriots – um, if they end up losing, would be tied with the Buffalo Bills for the division. They still would hold the tiebreaker. But so I really don't think that the Patriots lose the AFC East considering that they end up playing Miami in Week 17. So that would have to be an utter collapse from Bill Belichick and Tom Brady to, to lose the AFC East for the first time, what, forever? I, I don't know. <laughs> Imagine Fitzmagic, like, pulling out some voodoo and costing Bill Belichick and the Pats the AFC East. That would be pretty wild. And we've seen some miracles. I mean, the New England Patriots, they have problems in December in Miami. Things happen, and and you never know. But, I mean, the Buffalo has to take care of business, and they have to go to Foxborough, and we'll see if Josh Allen can at least make enough throws to keep them there because you know the defense is going to be a defensive-oriented game. And I also want to hit hit on that San Francisco-L.A. game a little more. Um, I mean, L.A. is 8-6. and They're still not officially out of it, so they will have something to play for come Saturday night. Um, they're going to have a tough task going up against that defense of the 49ers. The last time they played, they were able to shut down Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. Uh, but lately, Todd Gurley's been getting the ball a lot more. Sean McVay calling his number. Um, we'll see if, if he ends up getting the ball a lot more in that game as well. And I, I think that Nick Bosa has another big game for that 49ers defense. The Rams stink. Let's put it out on the table here. I mean, you saw what happened this past Sunday in Dallas, and we're talking about a Dallas Cowboys team that has looked miserable over the past month and a half, and the Cowboys absolutely steamrolled them, and the Rams had no run game. I know they've been getting the ball to Todd Gurley a lot more, but they couldn't get anything going against that front seven of Dallas, and Jared Goff stunk again, unsurprisingly, and the Cowboys just absolutely murdered the Rams secondary all game long. I mean, there was a miscommunication earlier that allowed Tavon Austin to break off a d- deep touchdown, and Dak Prescott was just picking apart that secondary. And we haven't even mentioned arguably the biggest game of the week, and that's Eagles-Cowboys, which is going to decide the NFC East. So that that's going to be fun, but the, the Rams are done. They're, they're, they're terrible. Um, it, what a disappointment after last year, and no bigger disappointment than Jared Goff, who looks like a scrub. No, I'm with you, Jackson. The Rams have definitely been the most disappointing team in the NFL. But honestly, I think this has to be a test for San Francisco because, as I mentioned, that game last week against Atlanta, when that front four, Bosa and DeForest Bruckner, when they needed a sack, they couldn't get it against Matt Ryan, who's a statue in the pocket. They let him go down the field and obviously get that pass to Julio to win the game. So for the Niners, can they bounce back? Because for L.A., that's a short trip up to San Francisco. There should be a, a good contingency of Rams fans there. So it won't really— Rams be- fans? Yeah, Rams fans are going— Are gonna- there? Is there such a thing as a Rams fan? Uh, listen, there are mm-hmm. San Diego Chargers. There are no San Diego Chargers fans out there. I- I'm pretty sure there are Rams fans out there, especially with the Raiders leaving Las Vegas. I'm sure some Raiders fans are going to just move down south. I don't know. We'll see. I mean— 
didn't, but, there weren't that many of them uh, most of the games this year. Well, I mean, I, I, it's a rivalry game, and I will say that for the Niners, I don't know. That defense was a little sketchy down the stretch, and hopefully, I mean, that's the key. If Jimmy Garoppolo can do what he does. They can run the ball. He can make some passes. That's The offense has looked well, but that defense, they didn't get stops against Matt Ryan, and we'll see what they do against Jared Goff. Also, you mentioned it before, Andrew, a little off topic, but how about Oakland choke jobbing their final game in the black hole? <sighs> Oh, terrible. So terrible. They're up 16-3 in the second half. I mean, Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars offense could not get anything going. I mean, Keelan Cole had like one big reception in the first half, and that was their entire offensive production for the entire half. And then at the end, uh, David Carr. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Jeez, excuse me. I'm thinking (laughs) of the brother. Sorry. Derek Carr comes out. He picks up a first down and does that sign the O to the black hole. Yet then they give the ball up and Minshew magic comes and happens down the field. But oh man, what what a terrible way to close out the black hole. Absolutely terrible. They were throwing nachos on the field. That's how sick <laughs> Raiders fans were. I mean, you just can't blow that lead. John Gruden just awful. Just play clock management right there. That the must really suck. Considering the the Raiders have one of the best fan bases in all football, and they're just picking up and leaving. Be, again, because an owner can't get a deal done with his state or with his with his city to get a stadium done for for the fans. I mean, the Chargers had to deal with it. Uh, I mean, it's it's just a really sad. It was a sad day for for o- Oakland fans and people who live in the area. But hey, I mean, that new stadium in Las Vegas looks like it's going to be pretty sick, and uh, it, it'll bring a lot more money into the league, which is all the owners really really care about and think about, I guess. Yeah, that is the only thing they care about, which is sad that they're leaving the Coliseum, but at the same time, football in Vegas is going to be pretty cool, I feel like. Like, just having the spectacle of another team in Vegas. I mean, we've seen what the Golden Knights have done in hockey, and they immediately had a massive fan base, and part of that is going to the Cup Final, and your first year will do that. But, like, you already have one of the best fan bases in football in Oakland. It's a shame that they're leaving, but that fan base is going to travel, too. They're, they're oh, one of the yeah. best fan bases in the NFL, plus you add all the Vegas fans that are joining on top of that. So I think overall it will be good for the league, though it is going to sting for a few years and possibly longer, especially for Raiders fans. No, I mean, Las Vegas is, has become a sports town. We have the Golden Knights, the Aces are there in the WNBA, and I think sooner or later the NBA will get a franchise there and expand. But no, for sure, and I mean, the stadium is beautiful. I mean, you can't really ask for much. I mean... Uh, Mark Davis wanted money from the city of Oakland, wanted to use taxpayers' money really as a majority instead of putting up his own money. And you can't blame the city of Oakland for just kind of saying, you know, we're not going to do that. You should have that money. You're an NFL franchise. So, I mean, it is what it is at this point. I just want to transition to one more thing I know Jackson hit on a little bit. We'll talk about the bigger games on Sunday and Monday. Obviously, the Monday Night Football is very important as well. But first, we got to hit on Andrew Posadas' Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Cowboys for the NFC East. If the Cowboys win, they clinch the NFC East down outright because they have beaten the, the they will have beaten the Eagles twice the, this season and if the Eagles win, then it'll have to go into week 17 to see if uh if Dallas can can beat Washington and then if the Giants somehow beat Philly, then the the Cowboys would clinch the NFC East. But I just want to get your overall impressions of that game. Andrew, we'll start with you. Will Carson Wentz lead that team to victory? 
Listen, I want to say, first of all, I don't want to hear this Dak Prescott shoulder injury. This is something, this is a built-in excuse or a built-in add-on to his legacy. If he plays well, oh my God, Dak did it on his shoulder. Skip Bayless is going to be pounding his fist on the glass table on FS1. And if he plays bad, well, he was hurt. I mean, the Cowboys weren't going to win if, if he isn't healthy enough to throw the ball 25 times. But regardless, if you're playing out there, no excuse. And I think for the Eagles, it's so hard for me. I want to pick them so bad, but who are they throwing to? Is Vincent Papali going to come out of retirement? Are they going to get Tony Danza played a kicker in a Disney movie about the? <laughs> oh, are they going to get him to come and play wide receiver? They're throwing to Greg Ward Jr., Houston yeah. quarterback, if we all remember right. So, as much as I want to, I just feel like the Eagles are going to lose a close one. It's going to be Bre- Brett Maher is going to hit a 63-yarder. It's not Brett Maher anymore. Kai Forbath. Oh, excuse me, Kai Forbath. Well, Kai, whoever, whoever's back there is going to make a field goal, and the Cowboys are going to win like 17-14. Uh, don't hold me to it. I might end up picking the Eagles anyway because I'm dumb. But it just doesn't feel right for the Eagles. The Eagles have been inconsistent, probably the second most disappointing team behind the Rams. So, Jackson, I don't know if you can persuade me to think otherwise. I really don't have much faith. I don't know. I mean, it's just a battle of who wants it less, I feel like, between these two teams. I mean, Dallas has looked terrible for the last half of the season before that. Obviously, big performance against the Rams at home. But, man, I mean, the game is in Philly, correct? Yes. And, listen, the Eagles have looked so bad over what the past month I mean losing to the Dolphins they were were on the ropes against Washington last week who actually picked a win and if it wasn't for Carson Wentz's heroics I mean first off that throw to Miles Sanders in the back of the end zone was pretty wild but even arguably even better was the throw over the top to Greg Ward who really exploded on that drive but like you said I just don't know who is going to be getting the ball for Philadelphia I mean their best two targets are their tight ends Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard and other than that, they don't really have anyone explosive who can make big plays. So I, I just worry about this Eagles wide receiving core. Obviously, hasn't been healthy all year. I mean, no Alshon Jeffrey, no Deshaun Jackson. Nelson Aguilar hasn't been able to play all that much, too. So I, I, I worry about this, this Eagles wide receiving core. But at the same time, like you said, the, the Dallas injury is concerning. So I, I, I'm going to wait my 20, 30 minutes before we get to pickums to make this pick because I'm still undecided. But... I, like I said, I think this really comes down to who wants it less at this point because it seems like no team wants any part of being in the postseason. And the worst part is they're probably the most pleasant surprise in the wide receiving core are Sega Whiteside. He's been limited in practice this week, yep. so he might not go. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy was telling us before we got on that Jordan Howard isn't going to play, so Miles Sanders is going to have to get the ball 25, 30 times, and I'm not sure if that's a workload he can handle at this point in the season, just because he hasn't had to have done that. Jordan Howard and him have split carries. I mean, he seemed to do a good job with it last week. I mean, and he was obviously a huge feature in the receiving game, and he's going to have to be again. But, listen, I think a lot of this game really just comes down to Dak's health, personally. I mean, Zeke said it himself. He had an AC joint injury in his shoulder, and he couldn't even imagine throwing. And Dak hasn't even thrown in practice. So, we'll see how it shakes out, but should be... I don't know if a good one is the right word to say it, but it's going to be an ugly one. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. I think it'll be it'll be <laughs> a dumpster fire game. It will be at 425, so a lot of people will be tuning in to see it. I personally think if you're Dallas and you have all that talent, regardless of your coaching situation, regardless of whatever the reason they 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 they've underperformed this season at seven and seven, you have to go out and win this game. I mean, if you're Jason Garrett, you're literally playing for your job although a lot of people don't think he'll be back next year in Dallas, regardless 
of what happens in the playoffs. But this is just a game where Dallas has to over, over I, w- I wouldn't say overhype. I would have to say have to do whatever is necessary to do to win this game outright and get to the get to the playoffs and maybe make some noise come January. No, yeah, and I mean, if they do win, they're going to host a playoff game. Now, that game might be against the Niners or the Seahawks. So, I mean, that's no easy no easy playoff game, especially at home. But you're right, though. Zeke has to carry the ball at least 30 times. They got to feed Zeke because that Eagles front four, they haven't been hurt. Fletcher Cox is there. Barnett is there. They only lost Malik Jackson, but still, they haven't really pressured the quarterback, and they haven't really been able to stuff the run consistently throughout the season. And that Eagles secondary, I don't even know who's back there at this point. Just Malcolm Jenkins and three guys from Lancaster, York, <laughs> and from outside of Philadelphia somewhere. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just can't. It's either going to be a 17-14 close game, as you mentioned, dumpster fire, or I think the Cowboys go right in there and they win along the lines of like 28-7 because they've won four straight against the Eagles and two straight at the link. So, they're not scared to go in there and punch the Eagles in the mouth. And I think as injury depleted as Philadelphia has been, it could turn into a blowout really easily if Carson Wentz turns the ball over the way he did in Dallas in their first matchup. And last but not least, and then we'll head over to Jimmy for the first fantasy segment. Big Monday night game for the AFC North. The Minnesota Vikings are hosting the Packers. If the Vikings win, they'll be tied for the AFC North title. And then it'll come down to Week 17 on who wins who wins that division? But I, I personally think Aaron Rodgers has to just go in there in Minnesota and put, is going to put on a show. And Kirk Cousins hasn't won a Monday Night Football game his entire career. <laughs> that stat is so bizarre. I don't think I don't, and I don't think it's going to change this week. I think I, I do think it changes. I probably shouldn't be going for Minnesota here, but I mean, I just love the way that this Minnesota defense has been playing. I mean, the secondary has stepped up. Kendricks as a linebacker, maybe the most underrated linebacker in football, and that run game of Aaron Jones versus this front seven of Minnesota is going to be one of the more interesting storylines for me watching in Week 16. And listen, like you said, the NFC North's on the line here. Kirk Cousins, if he's going to step up ever in his career, no better time to do so than right now. And listen, I, th- I think the Vikings are pretty much locked into a playoff spot at this point unless the Rams pull a miracle. But uh, I really think it's obviously critical for Minnesota to win the division just because the home field aspect can be such a difference going forward. That could be a difference between a team going to the Super Bowl and getting out in the wild card round. So I think this is a big game for Minnesota. I haven't loved Green Bay over the past few months. I mean, they obviously had that really good start to the season, but it seems like offensively things have stuttered a little bit and they were a bad play last week from going to overtime against Chicago on that crazy lateral that somehow Allen Robinson didn't get the ball in his hands but um, I I like Minnesota in this one I like their defense and I think they're going to be able to limit the run game enough yeah Jackson Aaron Rodgers hasn't really sounded that confident even though they're 11 and 3 but he's kind of been a little on the fence like yeah we're playing well if we can play like this maybe we can sustain and make a run but he's kind of been more of a game manager than anything else Aaron Jones has really been the feature guy in that offense and it's really gone through him or bust And, and I just I don't the Green Bay Packers don't scare me. They're 11 and 3, but they don't play like an 11 and 3 team. They don't have the confidence of a team that's right there. I mean, they're still bidding for a number 1 seed should they take care of business, but if you're Minnesota, if you beat the Packers and let's say the Seahawks and the Niners, they slip up in these next 2 weeks, you have a chance to vault yourself up and potentially get that number 1 seed and that 
that home crowd, that dome is a great advantage to have in the playoffs. But again, it's going to fall down on Dalvin yeah. Cook. He's trying to come back Monday. They don't know whether he's going to play or not. But but if he's there and he's healthy, that team is scary. Kirk Cousins doesn't have to do much. They can use Dalvin Cook and ride him. They can definitely make a run. And I mentioned the Vikings defense last week. Seven turnovers forced against the Chargers. They haven't done that in a long time. They blocked a kick as well. I mean, at a punt, excuse me. They blocked a punt. And they had a turnover on down. So they basically forced nine turnovers themselves, which is pretty remarkable. So this defense is coming together at the right time. And for me, if Green Bay can't get the run game going, they're going to be in big trouble. And Minnesota's done a great job these past few weeks stopping the run, especially last week against Melvin Gordon and and Eckler as well. So I, I like the way that this Vikings team is trending, and I think they'll be able to do enough defensively to open up the offense on Monday night. So that'll put a bow on our general NFL segment of the show. We're going to go to Jimmy Sullivan for our first fantasy hit, and then we'll talk about gangrene. I know me and Jackson are very excited oh, to geez. talk about yeah. that dumpster fire that is gangrene. <laughs> so first, let's go to Jimmy. Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. Okay, before I start, I just want everyone to know I had Vikings defense last week, and I sat them. Now let me tell you what to do. Starters, Russell Wilson, Seahawks going against the Cardinals defense that has been really bad this season. Worst in fantasy, to be exact. Wilson, third in points among fantasy QBs. He'll probably finish top three in the MVP voting as well. He hasn't been in over 20 points in fantasy, believe it or not, since week nine against Tampa Bay. I think this will be his breakout week. Seahawks need a win to keep pace in the NFC West, and I think Russell Wilson is going to have a big week. Let's go to running back now. I'm taking a bit of a risk here. I'm going to go with the Saints' Alvin Kamara. It's a good matchup against Tennessee. Believe it or not, Alvin Kamara has one rushing TD this year. Now, he has been frustrating, but he has been in double digits every week. He has been at least somewhat consistent, and it is a gamble because he has been – he's struggled to find the end zone, and he's struggled um, – you know, with getting some balls out of the backfield, but I think you should give it a shot. As long as he's on your roster, there's really no reason not to start him. And then at tight end, I think this guy's been the most underrated guy in fantasy all year, and that's the 49ers' George Kittle. Uh, 25 targets for him the last two weeks, over 40 points combined over the last two weeks. It is a tough Rams defense, but there's no reason not to go to George Kittle. He's the most trusted target of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's going to have another big week this week, and a lot of fantasy owners are going to need it because they're depending on him to come through including myself, considering I have George Kittle in both of my leagues for the championship. Oh, and if, again, not to mention against uh, Jimmy Sullivan. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> How about you want a quick stat on Kittle? I mean, yeah. did you see what he did last week? He had 13 catches, and not one other 49ers receiver had more than two catches or more than 29 yards. It, it was bizarre. Him and Julio combined because they were playing the Falcons. Him and Julio combined for like 26 catches and 300 yards, and the other – receivers combined on both teams did absolutely nothing it, it was unbelievable yeah no I still won't forget that play against the Saints just getting face masked and still being able to push off and get 20 <laughs> extra yards that was George Kittle is a grown man and he's definitely the best tight end right now in the business so Jimmy thank you for that fantasy advice uh hopefully it goes well for me maybe you'll get some luck as well uh but we'll hear from you in a little bit but now Let's go to the putrid New York Jets. So the Jets last week played on Thursday Night Football 
against the Baltimore Ravens, who ended up clinching the AFC North title after their victory. This week, they play another AFC North opponent. That is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Last home game of the year for the Jets. I highlight it in my Jets report for the week. For the fourth straight year, the New York Jets will have something that their fans have become very accustomed to, a losing record. After their 42-21 loss to Lamar Jackson and the AFC North champion Baltimore Ravens on Thursday Night Football last week, Gang Green sits at 5-9 and and only have two games left in the 2019 season. Before they wrap up the year in Buffalo next week, the Jets host the Pittsburgh Steelers for their last home game. It's a matchup Le'Veon Bell probably had circled on his calendar as it will be his first game against his former squad. Even though the game will be in New Jersey, Bell expects to be booed by the traveling Steelers fan base and doesn't consider the contest to be a revenge game. You know, honestly, I don't even look at it like that. I just kind of go out there and play football. I, each and every game I play, I try to, you know, give, up, give it my all, you know. So, um, if I guess if I can find an extra, you know, squeeze in there, you know, I'm going to try. But, you know, it is what it is with me. I always try to go out there and give my best. Regardless of how Bell expects to play, his production and the rest of the team's performance will come down to the coaching of Adam Gase. Gase's first year in New York has been lackluster, to say the least. On the other sideline, Mike Tomlin lost Ben Roethlisberger in Week 2 and is now on his third-string quarterback. They started the year 1-4 and four and were seen as a lock to miss the playoffs. Fast forward to today, Pittsburgh is 8-6 and six and hold the final wildcard spot in the AFC. The Jets are supposed to be in the spot the Steelers currently occupy and would love to play the role of spoiler before the playoffs begin in January. Off a big game from Donald and Bell, I believe the Jets will send their fans home happy for once and beat Pittsburgh 28-15. For the sake of assistant coach and Steelers legend Heinz Ward, a Gatorade shower may be in order, and the team has something to look forward to heading into Sunday. Covering the... I'm Charlie Misano, WFUV Sports. So this week, as we mentioned before, the Pittsburgh Steelers come to town. Le'Veon Bell plays his first game against his former team. I mean, it, it should be a revenge game for him, but the way Adam Gase uses Le'Veon Bell or has used Le'Veon Bell all year, I don't I don't know what to expect uh, in his, his first game against uh, his bitter, bitter former team. Here's the thing. I, I was hearing that Bell expects to be booed. First off, it's a home game. Like, like I, if there are going to be a lot of Steelers. Fans I get there. that, but if if you're expecting to be booed at MetLife Stadium at your home stadium, to to me that's pretty depressing. Like, like you're expected to be booed by fans of another team in your home stadium. Like, if that's not motivation to go off, then like I, I don't know what is. And I I think he will go off. I mean, this is a guy who's been waiting. I'd say for this moment since the minute he stepped off the field two years ago when he lost the Jags in the playoffs. But, I mean, I, I don't – the fact that he said that is, like, is kind of remarkable to me because, like, that that says a lot about not only him, but that says a lot about the Jets fan base if he thinks he's going to be showered with booze in his home stadium. And, and I would say this, Jackson, I don't think Pittsburgh Steelers fans – I don't think he deserves to be booed by them Neither because if you think about it, they didn't pay him. He was the best running back in football a couple years back, complete back, whether it be catching passes, running, patience. He had everything, and despite putting up that production, they weren't they the Pittsburgh brass never committed to him long term. So you couldn't blame him for taking that year off and just saying, "Yeah, hey, I'm going to preserve my body and try and 
at least prolong my career because obviously we know for running backs, the shelf life is very short nowadays. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think Le'Veon Bell deserves to be booed by either fan base at this point. But, I mean, for now, the Jets, I mean, nothing really to play for but just be spoilers. I mean, the Steelers are still in it technically, and if the Jets are able to beat them, they would be all but eliminated. So I guess playing spoiler, that's the main motivation for this Mm -hmm. game. Here's my thing also with Pittsburgh fans booing him. I mean, this is a guy who had a gross amount of touches every single year. I mean, like you mentioned, he was a 20-plus carry back. He was a 7-plus receiver guy for Pittsburgh. I mean, he was obviously the best running back out of the backfield catching balls in the league. I don't, I don't think there was any contest in terms of his time with Pittsburgh. So, like, this guy was putting his body on the line literally every single week for what, 30-plus touches for the most part each game, and that was on average. So, like, man, I, I don't get booing him either, but like like I said, it's got to be pretty a depressing feeling to know that you're going to get booed in your own stadium by opposing fans. And I, I highlighted in my Jets report, he came out and said that he expects it just to be another regular game for him, which I, I personally don't think is true. I think in the back of his mind he wants to go off against a team that, didn't one, didn't pay him, and two, the fans um, are going to treat him poorly, especially after the way that that whole situation took place last year. But overall, if anyone's going to get booed on Sunday, it should be Adam Gase and and that entire coaching staff, the way that they've played all season. Regardless of the injuries, regardless of Sam Darnold getting mono, I mean, the fact that Adam Gase is going to be back next year coaching this team is just flat-out pathetic. I, I really don't get why Christopher Johnson has to do this to the fans, has to do this to his team. I kind of understand why, considering it would be Sam Darnold's third head coach in three years but regardless Adam Gase is just not cutting it for this team no and I mean I think the injuries and I think that ultimately led the Jets to make that decision that they're going to keep him on for another year just to just for the fact that let's see what he does with a full strength team but I think we're all in agreement that even if this team is at full strength that offense just hasn't been the progressive uh, dynamic uh, product that we were all led to believe coming into Gase's tenure. So at this point, as we mentioned, Le'Veon Bell, somebody who should be catching passes out of the backfield, should be used on unique types of runs. He's just going up the gut. It's very simple, very vanilla for him. And the Jets haven't fooled anybody on offense. So for now, it's, I mean, I guess Jets fans could hold their hats on, hey, we weren't fully healthy next year. Let's see what happens when we get everyone together. But that's what they thought this year, and you can't bank on injuries not happening. So, I mean, overall, I just don't see how this offense gets any better. I'm so sick of this garbage excuse nonsense with injuries. I mean, this is the same thing that Gase did in Miami. All I did was complain about the injuries, and that was his backdrop, and that was his excuse every time something went wrong in Miami, and look how it worked out for him. I mean, he was basically booted out of town. Seems like every player on that roster hated him. And listen, I'm not sure if that's the case in New York, but if things keep up like this, it's going to continue, and it's going to end up being the same way he exited in Miami, and it's going to end up being a disaster. But for, for me, with the Jets, I don't know how much of this is a Christopher Johnson decision, and it definitely might be, but to me, this is a serious indictment on Joe Douglas if he is completely on board with the decision to keep Gase. And listen, I know part of the reason he came to New York was that he knows Adam Gase pretty well, and they had a good partnership before. But this is clear and obvious that one of the 
big reasons that the Jets underperformed this year. And yes, the Darnold injury obviously hurts, but you look around the league and you look at the team you're playing this week, and you got a guy in Duck Hodges who was winning games for the Pittsburgh Steelers, winning against pretty good teams, to be honest, and has them on the brink of a playoff berth. So I don't want to hear the excuses about how bad Nick Falk was. Yes, he's a bad quarterback, but you can win games in this league with a third-string quarterback. You can win games in this league with a backup quarterback. And how about Ryan Tannehill? The minute he goes away from Adam Gase, he looks like an MVP caliber player. So I'm done with the excuses for Adam Gase's. Gase, I don't want to hear it. And back to my original point with this, if Joe Douglas is completely on board with this decision, that is pretty much the first big indictment on him in his tenure with the New York Jets. Not even just Ryan Tannehill. Look at the other players. Devontae Parker, who was basically on the brink of getting... Just got his extension, too. On the brink of getting cut after the the season he had last year. Mm -hmm. Like you said, signs a big extension when the team is having a career year for the Dolphins. Uh, Kenyon Drake, how about last week? Four touchdowns for Arizona. Hasn't been a great year for him, but, I mean, he exploded last week and looks like he's found a home in Arizona. I mean, literally every single place you look, players are... Kenny outperforming Stills. what they did. Kenny yeah. Stills. Yeah. Kenny Stills had yeah. two touchdowns in Laramie the second Tun- quarter last week against the Titans. So Laramie Tunsil, another Pro Bowler for Good Houston. Lord. Yeah. Oh man, I, I'm just I'm so done with all the excuses that for Adam Gates that he's getting because when you make excuses like this, this is why the Jets organization continues to be the epitome of brutality in lack of a better term. But it, it's it's really ugly in New York. And you look at the schedule they're gonna have to play next year. I mean, this is a schedule this year that a lot of people pick the Jets to go to the playoffs because they had such an easy schedule this year. and Instead, they're going to end up, what, 5-11, and 11, maybe 6-10 and 10 if they win one of these final two games? I would so. say, I, I, I mean, I'm going to save my predictions for later, but I think that they end up winning at least one of the last two games of the season. So so we'll see, but like like you said, so 5-11 five and, five and 11 or 6-10, and 10, like regardless of what you said, this is a team that came in uber-talented. Yes, there were clear holes at offensive line, and that has transpired, and injuries have been an issue. Like I'm, I'm not going to discount the injuries because they've certainly played a role in this, but this is also a team that was talented enough to win 10 games even without Sam Darnold for three of them. I mean, you factor this in. If the Jets go out and beat the Dolphins and they beat the Bengals, this season arguably beat, looks a lot different and, and beat the Bills in yeah, opening week with go. a 16-point lead in the second half. So uh, this was... A season derailed, obviously, by injuries, but also on a bigger role, it was derailed by poor coaching, and that starts with Adam Gase. Yeah, the way the thing, the way things unraveled in Miami, it, it just kind of felt like Adam Gase wasn't going to get another head coaching opportunity. He might have just ended up an offensive coordinator for the rest of his career, his coaching career, but a Peyton Manning co-sign is what ultimately gave the Jets... Oh, all right, it's fine. Peyton, Peyton Manning thinks that we should get him. All right, let's get him. Based, that's essentially why he was hired in New York, really, just a, a letter joke. that was signed by Peyton Manning, probably not even typed by him, by his publicist or whoever. But, I mean, it's just it really is just a shame. And I don't know. The Jets are going to have to restart. They're going to have to start over. It's not going to be this year. But after next season, they're probably going to have to fire Gase and bring in someone else. And it really just... As you mentioned, Jackson, is it is an indictment on Joe Douglas because if he really wanted the Jets to make moves now, he would go up to Christopher Johnson and say, all right, we got to let go of Adam Gase. Let me bring in my guy and, and let's start this over on a clean slate. Although I think Adam Gase is his guy considering Adam Gase got him the job in New York. But regardless of the situation, um, I mean, Jamal Adams is going to be back on Sunday. That'll be a little bit of help on the defense. Um, I, I, I really can't see the Jets blowing this game considering that it's the last home game of the season and and you, you have the, the writings all over the wall for Le'Veon Bell to go off and if they just 
poorly ex if they if, it, if the coaching is poorly executed again and they go out and and poop the bed uh, it's just going to be another <laughs> another another bad bad day for Jets fans and another bad day for this franchise uh, but enough talking about them let's go to Jimmy for another fancy hit and then we'll talk about Eli Manning's last game as a Giant and then the Giants moving forward for the 2019 season so again here we go with Jimmy Sullivan Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. Well, I'm certainly tired of talking about the Jets, too, so let's talk about some fantasy sit We'll start at quarterback, and I'm going to give you a name. He's the number six quarterback in fantasy this year, carried by strong rushing numbers. It's Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Good point. I've started him a lot this year, and he was, like, one of the reasons I made the playoffs. I picked him up, and he... Listen, he's had some bad weeks, and I want to let you continue, yeah. but like, he's been low-key impressive fantasy-wise. Last week was one of those bad weeks. 13 of 25 for 139 yards, a touchdown, a pick against Pittsburgh, even though they did win, and he let a late drive to win it for them. However, he is going against the New England Patriots this week. We usually know how that goes with young quarterbacks, and I'm not feeling good about Josh Allen. I'd look for other options if you can. Let's move over to running back now. I'm going to go with Todd Gurley of the Rams. He's been really good over the past three weeks, about 60 points combined over that span, but it's a tough matchup against the Niners. Interestingly enough, the first time these two teams played earlier in the season, Todd Gurley did not play in that game. It's a really good Niners run defense. I think they're going to have a bit of a chip on their shoulder after last week giving up the late touchdown. And even though Gurley's been really solid and they've kind of taken some of the uh, shackles off of him, if you will, I wouldn't trust him fully in fantasy this week, although you might not have any other options. But I'd look elsewhere to see, possibly, if you can. And then finally, at wide receiver, a guy I'm not so hot on this week, even though he's been good the last few weeks, is Allen Robinson. And this is not an indictment on Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson's one of the best wide receivers in the league. This is an indictment on Mitchell Trubisky. And last week, Robinson, seven catches, 125 yards. They're going to look at him again. But if the Chiefs defense tries to take him away, that'll force other options. And Robinson might have a hard time breaking through. So there's a risk factor there with Allen Robinson, even though he has been very good the last few weeks. So, Jimmy, we'll get you one more time for fantasy, and then you'll, of course, join us for the Pick'em segment. But now let's head over to the New York Giants and what was a pretty cool way for Eli Manning to go out. Finishes with a 500 record, 117-117 for his overall uh, career record. And um, it was an emotional day for Giants fans. But, yeah, let's talk about Big Blue. So last week, the Giants improved their record to 3-11 in what was Eli Manning's most likely last game as a Giant. They beat the Dolphins 36-20. Now looking ahead, they travel to Washington for a matchup with the Redskins. And our very own Brianna Leverty has us with our Giants report for the week. It's official. DJ's back as the starter and Eli's back as the backup. The Giants announced the decision Friday, after Jones participated fully in practice for the entire week. So it looks like Eli Manning will be on the sidelines for the rest of the season, and that last week was his final time taking the field for the New York Giants. While Manning certainly wanted to finish out the season, last Sunday felt like a true send-off. Big Blue got a long overdue win, fans chanted Eli's name throughout the matchup, and Coach Shermer pulled Eli out at the end of the game so that he could receive a standing ovation. 
With the decision on who's starting this week and likely the remainder of the season behind them, the Giants can focus on Daniel Jones' continued development. Jones' return from injury is just in time for him to play against one of the two teams that he's already recorded a win against, the Redskins. DJ led his team to a victory over Washington in Week 4. He went 23 of 31 for 225 yards and one touchdown. On the flip side, he also threw two interceptions and fumbled twice. The Week 4 matchup also notably featured the first appearance that Dwayne Haskins Jr. made at quarterback for the Redskins. And this weekend is shaping up to be a full-fledged face-off between the two rookie QBs. And though DJ will be without tight ends Evan Ingram and Rhett Ellison, the rest of the offense is healthy and the team is coming off of a long-awaited win. While a win this weekend could jeopardize a top 5 2020 draft pick for Big Blue, the team, including Daniel Jones, is still fixated on a victory in Washington. We all want to win. I mean, I think, you know, everyone in this locker room is, um, you know, doing everything we can to, to win every game. With another win in their sights, I've got the Giants over the Redskins, 24-21. Covering the Giants, I'm Brianna Leverty, WFUV Sports. So another game for the Giants, led by Daniel Jones, who comes back after missing two games with injury. But really, I'm going to be honest with you, there's really not much to talk about with these with this with this with this game considering both the Redskins and the Giants at 3 and 11 just a terrible year for both teams. Um I guess we can hit on the uh, the the biggest point of this Giants team and that is that Pat Shermer is very very much on the hot seat and Dave Gettleman uh is probably going to get fired as well too. I personally think both of them should be let go. Pat Shermer I think is a definite Dave Gettleman is up to the Mara family. Uh but we'll have to see after week 17 against the Eagles. I think both should be gone, particularly Gettleman first. Um, just looking at the roster construction for the Giants, I mean, I think people got to realize with Gettleman, I mean, this is a guy who came in in win-now mode, completely failed, then traded Odell Beckham Jr., which, listen, the trade isn't a fail, I'm not going to say, because we obviously know how things have transpired for Odell in Cleveland, but the return at the time, not all that impressive and still isn't all that impressive. And now he's kind of forced the Giants into a rebuild that relies entirely on Daniel Jones. So the reason I think he doesn't get fired, even though I think he should, is because of Daniel Jones. Honestly, I think that maybe the Mara family wants him to see one more year with his quarterback. But I think Shermer's gone for sure. Like I don't think there's any doubt. And I think if I'm a Giants fan, I want to do what the other team from East Rutherford should have done. And that's go after Matt Rule. From Baylor, I mean, this is a guy who has turned around a Baylor program that was one in eleven not too long ago. Has had so many scandals. Obviously, the whole Art Briles thing with that went down, and he's built Baylor into a team that was one play away from the college football playoff this year. And schematically, offensively, he looks good. And we've seen what coaches who are offensive gurus can do in this league. I mean, even though the Packers have struggled, Matt Lafleur obviously has done a really good job with the Packers and has them at 11-3. and three. You look at what Cliff Kingsbury has done with Arizona, and I actually think he's done a pretty good job. This is a team in Arizona that doesn't have a ton of talent, but Kyler Murray looks to be progressing week in and week out. I think that rule would be a perfect hire for the Giants, and as a Jet fan, I'm praying it doesn't happen, but I love what rule can do in the NFL going forward. And keep in mind, too, that Big 12 title game against Oklahoma, Rule was doing that with a backup quarterback yep. for most of that game. Wasn't it a, a third, third string, string at third one string, point? Yeah, yeah, third it string got, it got that bad. Yeah. And listen, I mean, they had a 
they really should have been in the college football playoff. Absolutely. I mean, listen, they blew a huge lead to Oklahoma at home in Waco, and then obviously the Big 12 title game, we know how that went. And, like, they're literally one play away from going to the college football playoff. I mean, Rule's done such a good job there, and the Jets should have hired him. But, again, ownership wanted to hire his assistants, which to me is so freaking bizarre to begin with. But oh, that's the New York Jets for you. I don't, I don't want to keep talking about him. Sorry. I like the point of Matt Rule. I think he would be a very good hire, but I just don't think the Giants are going to go that route. I mean, they had Ben McAdoo, offensive-minded coach. Uh, Pat Shermer, another offensive-minded coach. I mean, they're probably going to end up drafting if they lose to the Redskins – this week, they will probably get Chase Young at number two in the draft. They have to revamp that entire defense, and who better to do it than Ron Rivera after getting let go by the Panthers? I mean, he, he, he is known for being a defensive guy, and the Giants want to get their defense back, considering I think that's their biggest weak, weakness on the entire team. Uh, I think they, they have the worst defense in the entire league. So I think I'm going to go Colin Cowherd, I mean, is a big, big proponent of uh, – is a big fan of Ron Rivera to the Giants, and I personally agree with him. No, I agree with you 100%, Charlie. It's time for a change in just regime there in New York. And you spoke about it, McAdoo. They've had offensive-minded head coaches, but their biggest success came under Tom Coughlin, who was a very defensive-minded head coach, even though now as a GM and a president, well, the Jaguars, yeah, because, I mean, he changed the clocks back 10 minutes so his players would come early, which is just That's very, so yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. But again, I think now once they do clean slate, if Gettleman is gone, and you bring in Ron Rivera. Now what happens to Daniel Jones? Because next season, Ron Rivera and whoever the next GM is, they're going to look at Daniel Jones and see if he takes that step. And if he doesn't and the Giants are bad and they're looking at another top 10 pick, now do the Giants think about it? Well, Daniel Jones isn't our guy. Do we go out there and draft somebody next year, whoever that may be, that could come up because we've seen, obviously, Jones is very turnover prone. And, I mean, that's those are mistakes that a rookie quarterback makes. But if, if it happens in year two and it doesn't look like he's progressed, almost like Baker Mayfield, he's kind of regressed in his second year. If you kind see of, that, oh, well, he kind has. Kind of regressed. All right, I'm giving sorry, the benefit sorry. of the doubt. But if Daniel Jones regresses a la Baker Mayfield, does that new regime in New York say, hey, let's get ourselves a quarterback and bring in somebody to compete and bring in our guy who we see envisioning and, and bringing this offense back into glory? Can we talk about the Jaguars quickly for a second and Tom Coughlin while the topic yeah, was brought sure. up? This was one of the more bizarre stories this week to me. Was The NFLPA, won, they filed a grievance and won that Jaguars players were getting fined a crap load of money yes. for not being, like, not being medically treated by the team and at the team facility during the summer and during the offseason. That to me is bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. And if that was Tom Coughlin's doing, then listen, he deserves to go. Which is why I think he was fired before the season ended. He was going to get fired. I think Marone, the Caldwell, the GM, and Coughlin were all going to get fired at the end of week 17. But the the fact that this story came out and Dante Fowler Jr. is now in the Rams said he was getting fined $700,000. Leonard Fournette and TJ Yeldon getting fined $100,000 for being on the sideline in a game where they were injured. It was just a bad PR story for the team, and it was uh, Shad Khan, their owner, was just like enough is enough. Uh, 
we'll clean house with the other two at the end of the season, but you have to leave right now because that's just unacceptable. <laughs> that's crazy. No free agents, no free agents would want to sign there after hearing that. More than a quarter of the league of the league players getting fined were from the Jaguars alone. That's like so that's bizarre. crazy. And as you mentioned, he was finding these guys for most of the things were involuntary. It wasn't mandatory for you to have to go over the summer, yeah. but if you didn't go, you were getting they fined essentially anyway. made it mandatory it, exactly. to go there over the off season, which is bizarre. And I mean. I guess there's an obvious reason as to why Jalen Ramsey wanted out of Jacksonville oh, and Dante Fowler wanted out of Jacksonville. So, like, man, I mean, I don't blame anyone for wanting out of Jacksonville. The other point. wild thing for me to think about, two years ago, they were a quarter away from the Super yes. Bowl. Yeah. And they should have been. They should have locked it down, but, you know, their offense couldn't do anything. They were a non-Blake Bortles, Bortles away from – they were literally in a – you put any other quarterback in that position and they probably go to the Super Bowl, but – that's the Jags yeah. for you, I guess. But that's that's wild to me to think about that all this stuff was going down, and here they were in Foxborough with a 10-point lead in the AFC title game. Just crazy to me. And Same just, regime, too. And I was just going to say, Ian Rappaport reported that Coughlin is the reason why Ramsey asked out. So if, if Coughlin wasn't there or just handled the situation differently, Jalen Ramsey would probably still be a Jaguar today. But that's enough for the Jaguars. Back to the Giants quickly. Yeah, sorry about that. I, no, had, no, to, I we, had to no, mention we, it. No, it we had to. Ridiculous. We had to talk about that yeah. considering how big that story was. Um, and considering the Giants and the Redskins aren't a big story, why not throw them in the Giants segment? But uh, regardless, back to this game. Um, if you're a Giants fan, this is going to probably get to the last point we talk about in this segment. If you're a Giants fan, do you you advocate to lose this game, right? Considering if the Redskins win and you lose, you are lock, most likely locked into the number two spot to get Chase Young. If you win, the Redskins jump up to the number two spot in the draft. You got, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it that way. No, yeah, and I think that's why they went back to Daniel Jones because if they brought Eli back, he has that experience over Dwayne Haskins, and you'd have an advantage there. But if you put in DJ, now you have two rookie quarterbacks, and we just spoke about how turnover-prone he can be, especially with the fumbles. It, it just makes sense, and the Giants, they, they need Chase Young. They, they need a transcendent player on either side. They have Saquon Barkley on one side. They need Chase Young. And if they were to win this game, especially on the road, I mean, Washington doesn't have a fan base at this point right now. Nobody's going there to watch games. But still, if you're the Giants, you just got to run the ball three times. Don't even pass the ball. Or if you are going to pass the ball, just loft it up there and allow some interceptions to come your way. I'm not advocating tanking, but if you're the Giants, you need to lose these last two games. Why not just play Eli again, honestly? I'm like, secure Daniel Jones's health for the offseason and just play Eli. I mean, because there are some big tank games involved this week. I mean, we got Bengals-Dolphins, which <laughs> which has to be the tank game of the century right there between those two teams. If the Giants win this week, they jump ahead of Miami in all likelihood, and they jump ahead of Washington too. So that puts them, what, in the fourth spot? Fourth pick spot? It would be the fourth, yeah. yeah. So like, I, there, there's a lot to be lost for the Giants here by winning this game. Which is which is pretty bizarre, but it, it it would put the Giants in a weird spot in the draft where they're probably not going to get Chase Young, but in a soft spot where a Tua Tagovailoa could be picked or a Justin Herbert could be picked. So if they're not going to be in the upper upper echelon of the draft, it's going to change a lot of their draft plans if they end up in that third or fourth slot. Which is why, if they end up getting the number two pick, I think that Dave Gettleman will retain his job considering that drafting Chase Young is like a foregone conclusion, so it's not like he's going to screw that up. I mean, knock on wood if you're a Giants fan, if he doesn't pick Chase Young in number two, if he's still the GM. But regardless, um, I like I, I agreed with you, Jackson. I think that Dave Gettleman should be fired, 
But I also don't think that John Mara will pull the yeah, trigger I, and I fire him there. They're way too deep at this point to make a decision like that. And uh, The one positive quality, I think, of his tenure has been his drafting, honestly. Like, that's been the one thing that has kind of saved him a little bit. Like, Daniel Jones looks all right. I mean, some of the picks Dexter they had Lawrence this year, Dexter good. Lawrence looks pretty good at nose tackle. So, he's made some good decisions drafting-wise, but... I mean, I I just don't see a way that you can keep him after the whole misery and mess that's gone down this year. Yeah, and Jackson, you mentioned should they win and end up with the four with the fourth spot in the draft. I mean, that might not be too bad considering there are going to be teams that want Tua or want Justin Herbert yep. and fall in love with them, and then they need him at four because they won't get him outside of the top five. So if you're the Giants, maybe you can get yourself a King's Ransom if you don't end up with Chase Young. You get yourself a few draft picks, maybe a emerging top player on either side of the ball, and you go from there. So I think for the Giants, not all is lost if they don't end up with Chase Young. But of course, if you can get a guy like that, we've seen what the Bosa brothers have done, and... Todd McShay just says that he is better than those two guys right now, and he will project to be better in the long run. So we'll see with the Giants what they end up with going forward. So tank game on Sunday for the Giants. That'll do it for our segment talking about them. But now let's go to Jimmy for one last fantasy hit and then our annual weekly. I should say weekly, not annual <laughs> uh, pick em segment. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. All right, guys, let's start with one of the tank games. At quarterback, I've got Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Dolphins. It's a favorable matchup against the Bengals. It is a matchup of 3-11 versus 1-13, but in a no-holds-barred type of game where both teams might try to open it up just for fun, Fitzpatrick might mess around and put up some big numbers, so he's an interesting sleeper to maybe look at if you're having issues at the quarterback position. At running back, I'm going to go with Peyton Barber of the Buccaneers, and not just because I'm playing him this week. He's projected about 10 points per uh, ESPN. There is a timeshare with him in the backfield with Ronald Jones, but he will get his share of touches. It's a decent matchup against Houston. They are going to pass it a lot, so if he can get some catches out of the backfield, that can help your team, especially in PPR formats going forward. Finally, at wide receiver, going to go with the Steelers' James Washington. And I will say this, it's a risk. He had 10 targets last week. He has emerged as a play playmaker Excuse me. in the last three weeks. He's got about 75 yards per game, and a lot of it is dependent on big plays, and if he doesn't come through with those, he's not going to give you a lot of points. But if he can break one or two against this Jets defense on Sunday, he'll be worthwhile as a fantasy starter, and he'll get you at least into double-digit points. So, Jimmy, I just want to say one final good luck to you. Same uh, to you, partner. On Sunday, I would shake your hand, but you're too far away for the people that uh, are listening to this can't see that we're sitting kind of far away from each other. But overall, I wish you luck. Uh, hopefully, I win both leagues. <laughs> and uh, regardless, either even if we lose, either of us lose, we still get our $20 back. Hey, listen, I uh, pre appreciate that, Charlie, and the same to you. And uh, my lineup, by the way, I, I should just say this. Uh, a couple of the players in my lineup this week include uh, the Redskins defense, Jacob Hollister at tight end, and Peyton Barber at running back. It'll go great for me, I'm sure. That, I'm, I'm that, feeling... that team made the championship? Hey, well, when you have Lamar Jackson and Michael Thomas, these things happen. I'm feeling pretty confident, Jeez. but uh, obviously yeah. next week, if I'm hosting, uh, we'll give you the update on who won. But right now, we'll go to our last segment, the Pick'em segment. This week's NFL Picks. All right, so we're going to start off with the Saturday matchups. The first one of the day, Houston versus Tampa Bay. If Houston wins, they lock up the AFC South division title. I'm going to easily go with Houston here. Uh, they have a lot to play for, and I think that they come out on top. 
Yeah, Houston has had a roller coaster type of season up and down, but I think they're finally starting to hit their stride. And I think this game is going to go over 40. Both teams are going to put up 40 points on each other. But I think Houston narrowly defeats the Bucks. I'm going to go with Houston as well. Do not sleep on Jameis Winston. First quarterback in NFL history to throw for 450-plus yards in back-to-back games. And I like the Bucks at home. I love this Bruce Arians offense, and I love what Jameis has done over the past few weeks. I think Jameis will go for 480 yards, five TDs, and four picks, and it'll be just enough. Give me the Buccaneers over the Texans. Big matchup in the AFC East we talked about earlier. Buffalo travels to New England to face the Patriots. I, if you're the Patriots, you can't lose this game, and I don't think they will. I think that New England comes out on top. Yeah, this is the type of scenario where everyone's like, well, New England doesn't look that good. Buffalo, they got a chance. They can win. And then New England goes up and they win by 17. So I'm going to go with New England at home. Josh Allen had three picks the first time these two teams met. I think a lot's going to change, though, for Buffalo. I like New England, but it's going to be a tight one. This is the upset I want to pick, but I don't have the guts to do it. I like New England over Buffalo. (laughs) I'm right with you there, Jimmy. And then the nightcap of Saturday night, San Francisco and the Rams, I think the 49ers officially eliminate the Rams from playoff contention. Yeah, the Niners are still sick over that Atlanta loss. I think they're going to bounce back and route the Rams. I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers big. Yeah, right with you there. 49ers beat the fraudulent Rams. In five years from now, we will look at Kyle Shanahan as a better hire than Sean McVay. I like the 49ers. Completely agree. Another tank game, as Jimmy mentioned in his fantasy hit, Cincinnati versus Miami. I think Miami comes out just because comes out on top because they just have more talent. Yeah, Fitzpatrick turns into Fitzmagic for this week, and I'm going to go with Miami, too, to win at home. Also rolling with the Finns. I'm going to change it up. I'm going to go with Cincinnati here. I know I said Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he will have a big game, but I think Cincinnati's got some talent. They can play with him if Andy Dalton has a big game. I think Cincinnati's better than one win. I think they're going to get two. Next two games are the games for the local teams. Last home game of the season for the Jets. They play the Steelers. I said in my Jets report, I think that the Jets... Give their fans one last glimmer of hope going into next season. I think that they win. Yeah, the Steelers don't have a solid quarterback, and that's the problem. Their defense is great, but don't have that guy at the helm. I'm going to go with the Jets to play spoiler and eliminate them from the playoffs. As fun as the duck is, he stinks, and I'm also going to go with the Jets, and I think Le'Veon Bell is a big game. I think the Jets are going to send their fans home in fitting fashion with a loss. Steelers win. (laughs) That was a good one, Jimmy. Now, for the... Giants, as we said earlier, they travel to Washington to play the Redskins. I think that the Giants need to lose this game, and they will. Give me the Redskins. Yeah, the Redskins win. The Giants have to continue losing if they want Chase Young. Dwayne Haskins throws like two touchdowns, and they win by three. I'm going Redskins. Daniel Jones is back, and I think it also means a Giants win, so I'm taking Big Blue on the road. Daniel Jones is back, and that also means turnovers in favor of the Redskins. I think they're going to get the win at home. Move to 4-11, and, and excuse me, but it'll be not the worst outcome for the Giants. Carolina against Indianapolis. Uh, both teams already eliminated from the playoffs. Will Greer getting his first start for the Panthers. I'm going to go with Indianapolis at home. Yeah, the Colts are a much better team than they've shown. I'm going to go with the Colts to beat the Panthers. Panthers have been reeling, made it close against the Seahawks last week, and I like Will Greer in his first start. The Colts have been reeling, so I'm I'm going with uh, the Panthers. Will Greer is kind of my boy. I'm interested to see how it goes, but I just don't see it. I like the Colts in this one. Baltimore versus Cleveland. Cleveland still not uh, mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but I think Baltimore trounces them and eliminates them. Yeah, Baltimore on their way to the one seed, and Cleveland on their way to trading half of the team to Arizona. Give me Baltimore. Lamar Jackson's the MVP, and it ain't even that close. I'll go with Baltimore. Come at the best team in the NFL. You best not miss. Clean sweep. Let's go with the Ravens. 
Jacksonville versus Atlanta. Both teams 5-9. and nine. Uh, The wacky story with the Jaguars uh, probably has a cloud over them this week, and I'm going to go with Matt Ryan and the, and, the Falcon, and the Falcons. Yeah, the Falcons have been one of the more baffling teams in the NFL, and after a big win last week, I think they follow it up and, and they beat Jacksonville at home. Falcons are so bizarre. They've had two big wins on the road. I'm going with the Jags, though, in this one. I'm going to take the upset and also go with Jacksonville with that cloud of Tom Coughlin being lifted. New Orleans versus Tennessee. Tennessee needs a win in order to stay in playoff contention. Uh, I mean, this is a tough game to pick considering the Saints are so good. I'm just going to go with the Saints. It's the easier pick. Yeah, I'm going to go with Drew Brees, Michael Thomas. Nobody can guard him. Saints win. I'm going with New Orleans as well. Drew Brees, best quarterback performance we've ever seen last week with 22 straight completions. Give me New Orleans. I think the Titans are going to win out and win this division, and I think that starts this week. Give me Tennessee and Ryan Tannehill. Oakland versus the L.A. Chargers. The Raiders have lost two in a row. They lost at their last game in Oakland, um, and I think that they come back and win this game in L.A. Yeah, I don't know. Oakland left a bitter taste in my mouth. I'm going to go with the Chargers to hold firm. They went at home. They beat Oakland. Two biggest disappointments in the NFL this year have come from L.A., the Chargers and the Rams, and I'm going with the Raiders to get back on track in this one. If we were allowed to pick a tie, I would, but I'm going to go with the Chargers. (laughs) I have picked a tie. Not much time left on this podcast, so Detroit versus Denver. I'm going to go. We're going to go a little fast here. I'm going to go with Denver. Yeah, I'm going to go with Drew Locke and Denver as well. I'll go with Detroit. Uh, I don't trust David Blau, Denver. Now we're going to go Arizona and Seattle. I think this is my upset of the week. I think that it will be Arizona winning this game. Yeah, it'll be close, but I'm going to go with the Seahawks to hold firm. They're going to win at home. Uh, I like the Seahawks as well to create a Week 17 matchup for the NFC West. Yep, give me the Seahawks as well. I think they run all over the uh, Cardinals. Game of the week for Fox, Dallas versus Philly. I'm going to go with Dallas, and they officially clinch the NFC's title. Fly, Eagles, fly. I'm going with the Cowboys. Eagles aren't healthy enough. Pick the Eagles to win the NFC preseason. Guess I got to stick with it. Give me Philly. Sunday Night Football, the Chiefs travel to Chicago to play the eliminated Bears and Mitchell Trubisky. I think that the Chiefs uh, destroy them on Sunday Night Football. This is my upset of the week. I'm going to go with the Bears to win at home. Mitch is going to do something crazy. He's going to run for a touchdown throw, too. I got them beating Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes is a snow guy. He's also a Sunday night guy. I'm taking the Chiefs. Matt Nagy against Andy Reid, his former head coach. It will be an interesting game, but I like the Chiefs. And last but not least, NFC North title maybe game if if the Packers win, considering that the Vikings are a game behind. I'm going to go with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers for this one. Yeah, Dalvin Cook might not play, so considering that, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. Green Bay Packers win on the road. Kirk Cousins breaks the Monday night curse on Monday. I'm going with the Vikings. Kirk Cousins on Monday night? Sounds like free money to me. Give me the Packers. (laughs) I like that, and I like all our picks this week. Thanks for listening. Charlie Misano alongside Andrew Posadas, Jackson Heil, Jimmy Sullivan for the week. Tune in next week for Week 17. Find out who won me and Jimmy's Fantasy Showdown. And also find out what we think for the last week of the regular season. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned next week. One-on-one's NFL Friday's production of WFUV Sports.